You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. talks about the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life as major stumbling blocks in our walk. Oh, how pride is so vicious, and we're all, all, all guilty of it in some way or another. All guilty of it. It's a horrible, horrible sin, and we need to repent of it, and we need to come humbly before our God. Ambition in and of itself isn't an evil thing, but if it isn't paired with humility and God's calling, it can lead you into a vicious and cruel path in life. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that God always has a higher authority and rule over the rule of man. Everything you do should always be submitted to God's sovereignty. Well, let's join Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 9 with part 2 of his message, A Man Who Would Be King. You are worshipers were in their own strength. I see that today. I see people running around in their own strength, not relying on God, not relying on his ability to take care of us. God is able to take care of anything that handles you today. He's more than able, and get this, he is more than willing to help whatever ails you today, whatever bothers you today. He wants to be involved in your life. He doesn't just sit up there and watch and laugh. Oh, look at them struggle. Ha <laughs> ha, look at that. Look at them struggle down there. No. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to be involved to the point where he knows every move and you know his every move. It's a shame. Abimelech, who was on a tear now, he's breaking commandments left and right. Now he goes for a couple big ones. Look at verse five. Then he, Abimelech, went to his father's house at Ophrah and killed his brothers, 70 sons of Jerubbabel, on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left because he hid himself. Abimelech stoops to a new law. I'm going to get the kingship by hook or crook. I'm going to get the kingship because I have more might than you. Now, we see this all through the ages. All through the ages, not only in Judaism, but in every monarchy, grows up looking over their shoulder. Constantly looking over their shoulder. Who's going to get me? And it's always somebody in the family. It's always somebody in the family who wants to take you out. Well, here, Abimelech does that. He commits murder. He breaks commandment number six. He goes on this rampage, unrestrained by the nation. Where was Israel at this time? Why wasn't Israel reacting? Why wasn't Israel reacting? Tells us why. It tells us why. Because back it says, back in verse 34 and 35 of chapter 8, they forgot to remember the Lord their God and they didn't show kindness to Gideon's family. Oh, how easily they turned. They didn't have the conviction to intervene, nor did they have the courage. 
We see this in so many times, in so many cases. Sometimes it's on smaller cases, but we see this all the time. We see something happen. We disagree with it, but we fail to intervene. We fail to intervene. We always think it's somebody else's job to intervene. We fail to step in there and stand up for righteousness. We see it all the time. By murdering his half-brothers, Abimelech now joins a very infamous group in the Bible. Come on, you know them. Cain, Absalom, and Jehoram. All were murderers of their brothers. All were murderers of their brothers. So Abimelech now joins this infamous group. And in verse 6, the list continues to grow. This time, it's dishonesty. So he's now committing murder, and now he's just even more dishonest gain. In verse 6, all the men of Shechem gathered together, all of Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king beside the Terbeth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. The pillar that was in Shechem. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, and you should not bear fault witness. When he took the office of king, it was considered blasphemy by God. It was blasphemy because God was supposed to be the one. And he promised to protect the people and obey the law, and he deceived them because he did not do this. See, Abimelech had his own agenda. His coronation was a farce because it was never accepted nor blessed by the Lord. As bad of a king as King Saul was, at least he was accepted by the Lord at first. He was chosen by the Lord at first. Again, the coronation took place in Shechem. Why? Well, because of Abraham around this tree, Abraham. It is believed that this is where Joshua made his famous speech at the end of Joshua in Joshua 24. In this area, by this timnus tree, the tree of Murrah. Jacob buried idols there when he wanted to get his family back to God in Genesis 35. He degraded the theocracy by one act. He degraded that completely. And as we come now to verses 7 through 21, we see that a sin that led to all others, and here we pick up the sin of pride. And I believe it is during the coronation ceremony because Jotham gave this powerful. And by the way, this is the first parable of the Bible. This is the first parable ever given in the Bible. And we know that there are quite a few parables through the Bible, not just when Jesus taught in parables. But these are parables. Let's read, beginning in verse 7. We're going to read down through 21 the rest of our time. Now, when they had told Jotham, he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim, and lifted his voice and cried out. Now, who can tell me what happened on Mount Gerizim? What happened at Mount Gerizim that we studied? Remember? The blessings and the cursings. The blessings and the cursings for the nation of Israel happened on Mount Gerizim. So Jotham stands up there and he wants to give this parable. It's a quite powerful parable. He said, listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. I like that. Listen to me so that God's going to listen to you. The tree, the trees once went forth to anoint a king over them. And they said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, should I cease giving my oil? 
with which they honor God and men and go to sway over trees. Then the tree said to the fig tree, you come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go sway over trees? Then the tree said to the vine, you come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, should I cease my new wine, which cheers both God and men and go sway over trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, you come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, if in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now, therefore, Jotham is still speaking. If you have acted in truth and sincerity in making Abimelech king, and if you have dealt well with Jerubbabel and his house and have done to him as he deserves, for my father fought for you, risked his life and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. But you have risen up against my father's house this day, killed his 70 sons with one stone and made Abimelech the son of his female servant king over the men of Shechem because he is your brother. If then you have acted in truth and sincerity with Jerubbabel and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come down from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and Beth Milo. And let fire come from the men of Shechem and from both from Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. And Jotham ran away and fled and he went to Be'er and dwelt there for fear of Abimelech, his brother. Here we see the sin of pride. Jotham's powerful. He pictured the trees looking for a king. The olive tree with its precious oil, the fig tree with its sweet fruit, the wine with its clusters that could be made into wine. They all refused to give honor. They would each have to sacrifice something to reign, and they were not prepared to do so. All that remained was the bramble bush. The bramble bush is a thorn tree. It's a thorn bush with sticky thorns in it. It's a nuisance in the land. And it was only suitable for one thing burning. The reference here, the thorn bush represents Abimelech. He is the thorn bush. All the other trees laughed when the thorn bush asked them to support him. They all laughed when the thorn tree. But Jotham made his point. The thorn bush, Abimelech would not protect the people, but instead it would cause judgment to come and destroy those who trusted in them. And as we get further along, you'll see that's exactly what happened. The men of Shechem stood, or they should have been ashamed of the way they rejected the house of Gideon. That's what Jotham is saying. My father went out and fought for you. And this is how you repay his house? You men of Shechem, you honored this worthless, opportunistic person like Abimelech. When I read this, I couldn't help. After all of the things that we read concerning Psalm 37, my mind went right back to that. Don't fret over evildoers. Don't fret over evildoers, for they will get theirs. Jotham is like, what's wrong with you guys? But in Abimelech minds, he was a stately tree. He had great value. But Jotham said he's nothing but a piece of firewood. He's nothing but deserves to be burned up. See, pride does this to a person. Pride gives you a false sense of security. Pride gives you a false sense and puffs you up. Pride puffs you up. I'm pretty good. And after I've talked about me for a while, I'm going to let you talk. Now you talk about me. I'm pretty good. You betcha. I'm darn good. Pride puffs up. 
Makes you think you're more deserving than you really are. Abimelech was saying, I deserve to be king. After all, my name means son of the king. I deserve to be the king. It's interesting. Word studies in the Bible can be the most fascinating and most fun thing you'll ever do, is to take one word and follow it through the Bible and read about it. The word pride is mentioned 51 times in the Bible. The majority of it is mentioned in the Old Testament, believe it or not. It is mentioned in the New Testament. And some think that pride started in the garden. Some think that pride started with Adam and Eve when the serpent said to Eve and he puffed her up by saying, did God really say if you ate of that tree, you would die? So he starts to question God's word. And then he really puffs her up and says, listen, yo, honey, if you eat of that fruit, you'll be like God. Ooh, I will? Pride, I'll be like God? But that's not where it started. That is not where it started. I need to take a trip with me. Take a trip to Isaiah 14. And in my opinion, this is where pride started. It entered into an angel, a lovely, beautiful angel. He just happened to be a worship leader. It was a beautiful angel. In chapter 14 of Isaiah, beginning in verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Why? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit in the mount of congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. You want the epitome of pride? Right there. I'm going to be number one. You can be number three or 17, but I'm going to be number one. Don't try to stop me. Number one's got my name all over it. We are a nation of prideful people. How many people on the sidelines of the football game are yelling, we're number two, we're number two. Nobody's yelling that. Everybody's yelling, we're number one. Everybody wants to be number one. Pride. The sin of pride is horrible. Here's just a few of them, and they're all in Proverbs, believe it or not. Proverbs 11, verse 12. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. 13.10. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with humble is wisdom. Once again, 16.18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. You get puffed up, oh boy, do you get cut down. 29, 23, a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. And there are other ones. John talks about the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of of life as major stumbling blocks in our walk. Oh, how pride is so vicious. And we're all, all, all guilty of it in some way or another. All guilty of it. It's a horrible, horrible sin. And we need to repent of it. 
and we need to come humbly before our God. If the Lord raises us up, praise God. We have no business raising ourselves up to be above anybody. God clearly says he has no partiality. He doesn't look on anyone differently than anyone else. Salvation is for all men, whomsoever will may come. Black, white, green, pink, he doesn't care. Tall, short, male, female, whatever. He doesn't care. But we do. We care. What are you wearing that outfit for? Why do you look that way? Oh my. Oh you. Oh yeah. Oh, look at them. Pride. A lot of times when we're using the sin of pride, we do it to make ourselves look good by putting someone else down. The sin of pride is horrible. And it causes many a fall. And as I said, we're all guilty in some way or some form. We need to repent of it. We need to get rid of the sin. Only God can take that out. Only the Holy Spirit can lead us into the truth of Jesus Christ. And by being influenced by the Holy Spirit, he will constantly convict us of our sin, convict us of our righteousness, and convict us of our judgment. Abimelech is trying to wrestle the nation Israel from God. Abimelech is trying to take the nation Israel from God's hands and say, they're mine. Not a good place to be, folks. Not a really good place to be. See, that's what pride does. Pride says, Lord, I got this one. And guess what? The Lord let him do it. The Lord permitted him. Why do you think the Lord permitted him? To continue with the cycle so that he could show himself strong again to the nation Israel. Eventually, God was still on the throne and would repay those who come against him. It's dangerous to think of ourselves more highly than we should. Time and time and time again, it's written through the Bible. Paul continually writes it. We studied it in Romans 12, 3. He speaks about it in Ephesians. He speaks about it in Philippians. He constantly says, we need to take the humble road. We need to be the ones who are humble. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. If you're proud in the heart, which there it is, that's where it's a matter of the heart. Pride has ruined more relationships than anything I can think of. Not only your relationship with God, but your relationship to your fellow man, your spouse, your children, whatever. I'm not going to call them and apologize. They should call me. Guys, I've been there. I've done that. Trust me. Pride strikes us all. We have to be ever aware of the sin of pride, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. It so easily ensnares us. It so easily comes in us and and grabs us down. Remember, if you want to serve God, if you want to be in service to the Lord, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. He who desires this work desires a good work, Paul said to Timothy. It's a good work. But how do you get there? When I read to you the letter that was written to me by Greg Laurie's assistant back in 1993, when I asked, what does it mean to be called by God? And I thought maybe I I was called to be a pastor. One of the things he wrote that said, make sure it's God's decision, not man's decision. In other words, make sure man wasn't saying, yeah, you can be a pastor. Yeah, you can be a pastor. Make sure God was telling you and not man. 
Because if you put yourself up there, pride is so easy. Because then you can say, look what I did. Look what I did. A dangerous, dangerous place to be. Such a dangerous place to be. And everything we have is his. Everything I am is his. Everything I own is his. He gave it to me as gift. He allowed me to have it. I can't take credit for anything. I can't take any for credit thing. And dare I take credit? No, I can't. People say, well, where is your church? And I have to look at them and I have to take a deep breath and gum and go, the church that I pastor, I never want to think of it as my church. I never want to think of it as my church. And for some uncanny reason, he's chosen me to stand up here. He's God and I'm not. We must rely on God. We must discover the gifts that he wants to give us. God has gifts that he wants to give every one of us. Every one of us has a gift that God wants us to discover. He wants us to use. The Spirit gives the gifts out as he wills. You can look at all the places where the gifts are mentioned. In um, 1 Corinthians 12, in um, Ephesians, and in Romans. The gifts are mentioned. He just manifests these gifts to us. He's given you gifts. We don't know what, if you don't know what it is, seek him. Seek the Spirit. Let the Spirit show you what gift he has given you. And he would even show you how to use the various gifts that he's given to you. We are important to each other. We need one another. We need one another. No man is an island. No man stands alone. Don't be a lone stranger. Do not be a lone stranger. I didn't say lone ranger. I said lone stranger. Because if you stand off alone, you'll become strange. And you'll be a lone stranger. Don't be, you can't ride alone by yourself. When they do something, take someone with you. Don't do these things alone. Don't do ministry by yourself. Jesus sent everybody out in twos. He sent the disciples out in twos. We, 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 we need each other. And there's no competition between us. There's no competition. I, I don't want to see any competition between me and the other pastors in the area. There's no, there just should be no competition. I've said this before. I love Calvary Chapel. I love Calvary Chapel. I love this church. I love what God is doing here. But it's not about Calvary Chapel. It's about getting people to be saved, getting them into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. If they come here, praise God. Hallelujah. They're welcome here. We'll love on them as best we can. And we'll teach them as best we can. It's about Christ and Christ crucified. That's what it means. That's what it is. Everybody wants it to be about them. Come on. If you're honest, if you're honest, that's what the flesh says. I don't know who said it, so I can't quote the person themselves. But I was reading somewhere where some pastor came off stage and someone said, Hey, pastor, that was a great message. He says, thanks. Satan already told me. We have to be ever so careful. You are The Old Testament book of Judges that you've been studying with Pastor Dave Shank gives you a glimpse into the intriguing history of the nation of Israel. The Israelites seem to cycle through a pattern. They follow God, turn away from Him, become aware of their sin, and finally repent and step back onto God's path. Each time, God brings a judge to lead them creatively back to Himself, showing His power and mercy time and time again. 
Israel's history is one we still see today. Many people fall into the same cyclical relationship with God. They follow Him for a time, fall into sin, and need to be reminded of their errors. God is always faithful to forgive, though, when you come to Him in repentance. His mercy is new every day, and He's big enough to cover every mistake from your life. We're so glad you tuned in today to Assure Hope. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard. If you have any questions about this ministry, or if you want to know more about the forgiveness God can offer you, please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. We'd love to pray with you, and we'll do our best to answer your questions. That phone number again is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Assure Hope, just visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Be sure to check out the service times and directions to Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Thanks for being part of our time here today on Assure Hope.